for talking the astrology of 2021. I'm Spencer Michaud, and I'm joined by a very special guest, C.V. Henriette of Art of the Zodiac. And uh, we're going to be going through kind of a uh, sort of a deep dive into all of the different aspects of June and see what we can unpack. Trying some new things here today. I'm, I'm very excited about doing more collaborative things and engaging with the astrological community. So I, I really appreciate uh, CV's friendship and her ability to, uh, you know, articulate her astrological thoughts very well. So I thought it'd be cool to have her on here. Um, I want to in say hello to everyone who is here in the chat. If you are here, let us know that you're here. And um, tell us where you're coming from. And I can, we can see this in the chat box here. And that will let us know that you are here. And uh, if you have any questions as we're going along, feel free to put them in the chat. And we will try to get to them as well as we can during this Mercury retrograded time period. <laughs> so, CV, how are you doing? Wow, um, I'm well. I thought I was. Um, I th I I always think I'm prepared until I look at your notes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't even do astrology like that. I'm a little extra. <laughs> <laughs> I sent CV a copy of these two pages of notes that I cranked out like a crazy person in uh, about half an hour. <laughs> like. Um, it's a little, it's, it's a lot, but you know, it's, I feel like you're like writing the blueprints for some, like you're like in the like zone mode or something, which you are in the zone and that's great. And so I'm excited too. Yeah, <sighs> totally. We've got some people uh, saying hi in the chat. We've got Susanna from Finland, which Ooh. is super cool. Uh, I have like a crew from Finland that stops in. And uh, there's usually like four or five people from Finland, which is really cool. And Susanna is a amazing painter. Uh, so she uh, is very talented and has a lot of good things to add. We've got Lynn M from New Zealand. Hello, Lynn. Welcome. Scorpio Moon Spirit from Finland and New Zealand. Okay, so we were <laughs> represented internationally. This is so fun. Um, so thank you all for coming today. And uh, Feel free to, to put some questions in the chat box. I love making these things interactive and hearing how things are going in your life too, if you're stopping in on the chat today. Um, so, so CV, we both kind of just got done. I wanted to touch on this. First yeah. of all, we both got did various levels of um, the Northwest Astrology Conference recently. And I, I that was one of my goals today was to, to maybe talk a little bit about that conference. Not, we're not going to spend all day on it, but I think it was, it'd was it be neat to kind of give people some insight into what it's like being at a conference, maybe some highlights. And I know that you were only able to attend a little bit of it, but I'm, I'm still curious to hear your thoughts on that. I, um, first and foremost, I attended last year and I've attended other astrology conferences this year online, but um, I, so this year I attended the first day Friday. Well, Technically, it was a pre-conference day Thursday, but whatever. I, I attended the first full day Friday with the pre-conference and it was wonderful. And I was legitimately like sincerely bummed. I couldn't attend the rest because there's just even I like even just the act of like being in my house and feeling like I'm tied to like the astrological world with my computer for days 
usually I go to my friend Williams and we do it together is like the most glorious thing. Um, so yeah, I attended the first day. I really enjoyed the lectures I did see. And, um, I'm excited to hear your, like, I feel like I missed all the good gossip and not like gossip, but like, I feel there were like breakout rooms and conversations and I feel like I missed a lot of the highlights. So I'm excited for you to fill me in. Yeah, it was my intention going to Norwalk this year was to make some friends. I think that, that you know, I, I, I enjoy the lectures and I enjoy hearing different astrological takes. Um, but I think that the key thing for me was I, I was I went into it and said, OK, I'm not going to actually take very many notes. I, I, I I've done that in the past where I've like been furiously scribbling and like I, yeah. I don't enjoy the talks and I'm not able to absorb the information in real time. So, you know, I took some notes about things that were sticking out in my mind with with the knowledge that we can go back and watch lectures that we want for two weeks in, in yeah. the Norwalk like archives if you sign up for the conference. And then I was just kind of chatting with people, like either sometimes during a lecture, like direct oh. messaging people, but mostly in the the breakout rooms and the and the chat rooms, either between lectures or after the the lectures itself um, in the evenings. And I I usually go to bed kind of early, and I was up till one or two o'clock for three days in a row. So it was a lot of connecting. Um, I think I made some good friends. I was able to to you know, make as deep of a connection as you can make online um, in a short period of time, I think with a few people. And um, yeah, it's really, it's just neat to see that there are people out on all corners of the world that are interested in this topic and are articulate about it, even if they're not like, you know, personalities on social media or on YouTube, there's lots of really skilled people in the world that aren't a really like visible presence and i really enjoy getting to know those folks as well as the ones that are a more visible presence so it's um it's just neat it, it was it was edifying to me um i really enjoyed my time and i think that norwalk in particular is i think a really nice conference it takes place in seattle washington every year around uh the end of may gemini season mm -hmm. and um it's run by a lady named laura nailbandian who is a, a very intense Leo rising Capricorn sun. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's really good at staying organized and doing the hard work um, to, to run a conference like that. And also to, um, she, she's very inclusive. Like Norwalk is known for, for its inclusivity and for making people feel welcome and the diversity that they've been um, really promoting through through the way that they run their conference. So I really appreciate that about the way that they were doing that. And they even had some panels about some hot button topics in the in the world and also in the astrological world about diversity and about representation and things like that. And those were I had took some really good um, meditations away from those talks as well. Um, yeah my experience last year was just how welcoming it was. And it was really impressive to put that, that last year, what it was supposed to be live COVID hit, the whole thing was derailed and they still managed to like get it up within like, I don't know, a month or something, some really intense timeline. And um, yeah, I'm really envious. Have you been to Nor Norwalk in person? Cause I have not. 
No, this was actually my first Norwalk, either in person or virtually. I, I actually wanted to go last year, um, but I waited till the last day to yeah. sign up and <laughs> I wasn't allowed in, but that's okay. Like, I understand, like it was, uh, I was upset at the time, but uh, I didn't follow the procedure and I know how difficult it is to run things like this. And this year I made sure that I, I signed up a week in advance. So I learned my lesson and I was able to, to participate this time. And uh, sometimes things work out and sometimes they don't. So I, I'm, I'm not holding any grudges. I really, I enjoyed my time this year and was happy to be able to participate and be a part of it. So I see that we've got a few more participants in the chat here. We've got Tarya coming from Finland, who's one of our regular <laughs> Finland people. And Lisa's uh, checking in from New York. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Tarya. Hi. Nice to see you. And she says she hopes to attend an astral conference someday. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. My first astrology conference was just happened to be the biggest uh, astrology conference in the world, the United Astrology Conference in 2018 in Chicago. Um, and that was a, well, quite an experience, um, getting to meet all your astrological heroes. I was new to the astrological world, so I hadn't really met very many people at that point. And um, that really opened a lot of doors, making connections and getting to know what people are all about and what their energy is. And it helped me to want to study with my teacher, Achutabhava, mm -hmm. um, which we are both graduates of his programs now. Yeah. That's how CV and I met. Uh, isn't it? No, we met, met at Glock. No, no, we no. were. You know, it's really funny. I, hmm. I, I'm still convinced, <laughs> going back. <laughs> You have met an ex-boyfriend of mine because he's like a musician. I think you knew his sister from like, what was the, like a Jeff Buckley cover band or something. Because for whatever reason, I was in Los Angeles when I started studying with Achuta, like early, what that was in what, 2018, I think. And I saw you on the Zoom and I'm like, I know him. I don't know how I know him, which is so funny. And we never talked. And then we actually met in person at Glock. But no, we had been in his what class. Was, what was his name? If, Christopher. I, I don't care. He's okay. not on the internet, but like, it's not a secret. Uh, Christopher Jones, but it, like that, but Jones was like a, like a given name. He okay. lived in LA forever and his sister and her husband like moved to Tennessee and they were musicians. Okay. Anyway. We, we probably played one of those Buckley tribute shows, right? Maybe in Chicago, like, or Toronto. And for whatever reason, when you came, like when I saw you on the Zoom screen, like my first day of class, I remember cause I like stayed out late. I just moved to LA and I was so nervous. And I was like, I know that guy. How do I know him? Maybe it's also too like the time, like, right? Like, time isn't linear. So I knew that I would knew know you. Yeah. yeah. A couple more people checking in in the chat here. We've got Casey Jones says, uh, "I live in Oregon and really hope to make it up to Norwalk next year." Yeah. Uh -huh. So that you're you're right in the 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 right area for that to be able to maybe even just drive to it without flying. And Jennifer Doherty is is here as well. Hello, Jennifer. Um, yeah. The the interesting thing about Norwalk, I would say, yeah. is a conference can be very expensive. I was mm -hmm. very lucky to at UAC to be able to get, I got a full conference scholarship from one of the astrological organizations. One, yeah. It was called AFAN, which is the um, Association for Astrological Networking. And yeah. I applied for a scholarship and, and was able to receive the funds to go. And my mom also lives in Chicago. So, so I had a place to stay okay. and I, I, it was only four hours away. So it, right away i got a, a scholarship for the conference i had a place to stay so i didn't have to buy a hotel 
and I didn't have to buy a plane ticket. And those costs can add up to, you know, over a thousand dollars. So the, the great thing about Norwalk this year is, is digitally, we were able to attend for a couple hundred dollars without mm-hmm. having to pay for a plane or for a hotel. And that made it accessible to a lot more people. And I think that that's, I think that's something to think about moving forward with conferences. Nothing really beats the in real life experience, but sometimes that experience isn't always um, feasible for everybody, you know, because you're going to be spending up upwards of, you know, a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars just to get there. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting now, and I'd love to have people in the chat respond. But like, I feel that, you know, I started studying astrology like, you know, the last three, four years, what not. And um, like, especially since COVID, I've been having I had this wonderful opportunity where I truly feel so many of my good friends don't live near me. Like I live in Detroit. Um, you're the closest one to me and you're, you know, a couple hours away, hour, 40 minutes or something like this. But, um, but most of my friends are spread out and um, they're astrologers, right? My astrologer, like people really, really close to me over this year. And I'm wondering now, like, because it's so interesting because like I have this opportunity to meet people all over the world, like going to astrology conferences, I can't wait. It's going to be so exciting, but even just making smaller meetups, like now when I go to New York, I hang out with my astrology friend or I went to Houston or whatever, right? Like this ability specifically during COVID of being able to connect, but also really foster these connections. So I think that's the beautiful thing is that like these things don't necessarily end online. We can go out and meet each other. We've greased the wheels of friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a really, that's a great point, CV, because, you know, it is hard to kind of break the ice sometimes when you're, when you're trying to establish relationships. Yeah. And if you can even like begin that process through like something like an online conference that can carry over into those in-person meetups and you know, I know that you and I have met up in person with like classes and some astro meetups and things like that. And um, I think that that's something that it's important to try to organize and facilitate those things in your local area too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a local conference here, the Great Lakes Astrology Conference that we were able to meet at. And yeah. um, I hope that there will be things like that in the future, especially for Midwesterners, because there's conferences on the west coast there's like things in denver and probably east coast and things like that but um, i really do think there's a need for people who live in the midwest to be able to to come together as well and i don't think there's going to be a great lakes astrology conference this year i think they canceled it because uh, i don't know if they were able to to do it online or something of that nature but we'll see yeah but uh so I, we didn't really get a proper introduction from you either, CV. Tell us a little bit more about your background with astrology and what kind of things you're working on. And I know you have an astrologically based business as well. So, yeah, it's so I, um, I guess I'm a writer first and foremost, and I came to astrology at a really interesting time. Um, I had just left a business and I was um, focusing on writing. I just started a writing writing job, um, journalistic thing, and um, I don't know. It's, it's like, um, I found astrology to be this really like beautiful way of connecting with people. So, um, and it's just, I don't know, like everyone, I, I'm sure with you too, right. It's completely changed. It's hard to say, like, I feel like I do birth consultations. Right. And even like 
thinking about my own writing, even though I'll not know all of it's astrological, I feel like so much of my life has been like sort of shaped by astrology. It feels like a language that I speak, that I'm learning to speak, that just feels really good when I do it. Um, but yeah, I think I'm like kind of a subtler about my practice. So I have like an Instagram, I go under the moniker Art of the Zodiac. I think a lot about, I think a lot about using astrological language in sort of other applications. So like thinking about it in terms of art or um, like thinking about it in terms, like it's something, it's a lens I'm always going through, even if I'm writing um, like an essay or an article or something that's having things to do with about astrology, there's sort of always that lens. So yeah, um, Art of the Zodiac, I have an Instagram, you can follow me, we can talk astrology, I do birth chart consultations. And I also make apothecary, which is something I do sort of like so low key. <laughs> Like I have a brand, but it's just like, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm super into making things specifically just for individuals the same way you read, you know, you make, you read a chart. So totally. It was a very long winded introduction. And you're a great interviewer as well. I've, I've come onto your channel on Instagram for a few Instagram lives. And, you know, I think that you really have a lot of skill with being able to connect with a, a diverse range of people that I've seen on your, on your channel as well. How is that something you've cultivated? Like what, what, where do you attribute that skill to? Well, before, uh, for the, before COVID for the last two years, I spent just interviewing people. I was working for an online publication. Um, and before that I was interested in interviews, I actually had a restaurant, which, right. It's a different sort of interview. Cause you're just talking to all different people all the time, all kinds of people. So yeah, that, um, it's something I'm definitely um, engaged with and fascinated by. And I hope that I'm getting better <laughs> through years of doing it. Um, you have, you have a oh, you went my, you went mute from it. What'd you say? And you have a Gemini moon, right? I do. Yeah. And the 11th house. And we, we Leo rise out here. We're both Leo ascendants. So yeah, you know, something too, right? Like recently I realized I have an absurd amount of Leo rising friends are we like the like the um the lion pack or something <laughs> it might that be what that's doing? what we should call it <laughs> the, the, the feline pack or like, i think what it is when you get leo risings together or leo sons it's kind of like yeah. you're great no you're great no you're amazing <laughs> and that's like exactly what we need and want to be able to do we want to be able to lift people up and also like you know feel appreciated and mm -hmm. so it's like, it's this mutual admiration society when you get a lot of Leos together, you know, they're like, yay. <laughs> like, and I feel like there's a bit of like, yeah, let's do it. You're great. I'm great. Let's go. Like, yes, exactly. Um, I wonder if anyone in the chat can relate to us. So if you have Leo placements, please talk to us. Spencer can see. I cannot. Yeah, we've got Tarya saying as an, as a European, I love the online conferences. I would have attended Norwalk but we had a move, so we didn't have time or money yet. And like those those flights aren't cheap. That's what I'm saying. Like it's it's a big a big outlay of an expense. Um, Lisa is laughing at us. Uh, she has one Leo placement, I think. I'm not gonna give away too much here. They can give it away if they want. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of, uh, what do we have in our chats here? We have some Piscean folks. We have uh, some Cancerians. There's always a lot of Virgo type people uh, that follow my channel because of 
those two pages of crazy notes I sent you. <laughs> like, so, uh, aligning light astrology says Leo seventh house. Let's all tell each other how great we are. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Susanna says just Mercury and Leo. So she, she's on the, on the train too. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's start diving into the astrology of the month. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Are we, we going to pull a chart, pull some notes? Yeah, I'll, I'll pull up the, thank you for reminding me. I'll pull up the, the chart of the moment here and okay. I'm going to go back to June 1st and let's just kind of take a, let's hit, hit the major points as we go kind of day by day here through this. I just wanted to start out by saying that I think that what we're experiencing overall is we are between eclipses right now, which, which we can call a liminal space or a Bardo period where we're getting this energetic shakeup uh, where, you know, we're really trying to um, shed some old skin and be able to make a new start. But there's a lot of confusion that can happen when you're leaving the past behind and the new thing has not fully coalesced yet. And I think that that's really what we're seeing in, in June for the most part is a, a desire to move forward, but you know, a need to be able to hold some of the ambiguity and not having all the answers yet. So I think that that's kind of the overall theme I'm seeing. Um, do you have any thoughts about general themes as well? Okay, this is because I'm I'm a generalist. Sure. Um, I was just thinking when you're talking about eclipse season and um, what came to mind, two things came to mind. One, how Adam Summer calls it, the dra- like the space between the dragon hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm getting that right. But also I was just thinking recently how like, having a relationship to eclipse season specifically but astrology in lar- at large is such a wonderful way to feel connected with your life when i think of eclipses eclipse season in particular it's the kind of thing where like you know you can look back at like three years ago or something in your life like you can look back at a period of time and some like you're like how did i get here but having this understanding of astrology is to really understand the nuances in our life to see where the seeds are being planted and just to have almost a little more control over that. Not that we have a control over eclipse season, but you can go, Oh, I planted that seed then. And then that turned to that. And then I can now make these choices. And my life isn't just like things happening to me, but specifically eclipse season. I feel like it's always a time where you don't quite know how it's playing out in the moment, but it all kind of shakes out afterwards. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, connecting the dots, right? Kind of like a a web of fate that you're weaving, like a spider. A spider has been associated with with um, fate in the past as an animal uh, symbol. Um, I think that yeah, we're planting seeds. Think about it too. When you were I, one thought that came up when I was hearing you uh, speak was, what do eclipses naturally do? They throw the light into darkness. So there is a, this sense of we are, you know, having some, maybe some doubt. We're shutting off knowledge or awareness of something and being cast into this state of, of unknowing, of not knowing. Yeah. And um, yeah, the dragon hole. I like that. I like the way that Adam Summer <laughs> describes that because it, it does feel like we're kind of in this dark cave and we're ready. We're, we're trying to feel our way through uh, a dark space that we don't necessarily have a map to yet and we're going to get little clues here and there 
Um, mm-hmm. And we have to kind of take notes because the, the clues that we're going to be given are going to play out over the course of the next six months, over the course of the next, I don't know what the, the meta cycle is, like 18 years or something like that. So there are all these like concentric, you know, Russian doll type circles that we're connecting back towards. And um, I think the way that I explore this time is I don't necessarily feel like I have to take any specific action during this period of time. I'm just taking notes and I'm letting life present to me the synopsis of the new chapter of the book that we're going to be reading, basically. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like specific, yes, and then double that with Mercury's retrograde. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, if we do like a little um, audit of what the planets are doing right now, we've got the sun. I think the way I want to break this down today is talk about uh, the sun in particular decans and all the aspects that are going to be, or the important aspects that are going to be happening during okay. that solar 10, roughly nine to 10 day period. And we start out the month here with the sun moving through the second decan of Gemini. Um, that decan is, is called the hermaphrodite by Austin Kopic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really about holding ambiguity and duality uh, CV is really good at tarot as well. So we have like the nine of swords card that we are looking at to give us some of the themes that like the canvas that we're going to be painting on. And this has just moved forward from this feeling of being bound by many, many options that we see in the first decade of Gemini, the first 10 degree section. Mm-hmm. So we've been presented with many options. And now it's kind of like this weighing and balancing and how can we reconcile all of these things that may not actually be uh, completely related to one another or even be able to be blended seamlessly without certain choices having to be made. I really been talking about on this channel that Gemini season is about tasting and exploring and, and getting some insight into multiple pathways, but ultimately for the purpose of making a choice and letting go of one particular path to be able to fuse life into uh, the chosen path. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, um, I was listening to a micro lecture yesterday. Someone talking about Gemini. Is it Colin Bedell? Is that his name? Yeah, he was at Norwalk. Okay. Like, I think I stumbled across something he was saying. And this idea of Gemini also too, like there's a choice, but also there's this like, kind of how in dialogue, there's this idea of synthesis too, of mm-hmm. like figuring out how to take these disparate parts and sort of forging a new way, right? Um, thesis, antithesis. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, because w- we think about J- Mercury as having that kind of hopeful expression in Gemini as well because of it being in a a diurnal uh, sanguine air sign right it's about the expansion of these possibilities whereas if we contrast that with the virgo expression of mercury we're examining things so that we can pare it down right and and i think it's both there's very similar um energies as far as like examination um, but i think that the end goal is slightly different I think Mercury's transit through Gemini is more about um, 
what are we going to breathe life into? And Gemini, and Gemini, I'm sorry, Virgo Mercury is more about what are we going to preserve against death? What are we going to preserve against the ravage of time? And what are we going to return to the earth? Although there are similar themes in both because of the sacrifice that happens mm -hmm. at the solstice, the, the sun sacrifice, where we have to let go of one option to fuse life into another one. Um, so we have Mercury retrograde right now. Yeah. Uh, it is under the beams of the sun. So Mercury is going through its underworld psychopomp journey, uh, looking in those, those liminal spaces, in those internal spaces, uh, to be able to find new information. It's an old Mercury right now. This is a very old Mercury. So we may be reflecting upon the past and getting ready to discard things to make a new start when Mercury goes Kazemi at the at the um, new moon solar eclipse. So that's what Mercury's doing. We've got Jupiter and Pisces uh, going through the first decade of, of Pisces where we're getting kind of that eight of cups energy, right? Where the, the yeah. labyrinth, we're going off in search of meaning. How, how's your experience of Jupiter and Pisces been so far? I'm still trying to like, in my personal life, I'm still sort of trying to suss it out, but I am, I was like, I am sort of fascinated by like the, the larger topics, like thinking about even um, like something I'm, I'm actually just quoting other astrologers right now, but like how like Anne Ortley pointed out that like when Jupiter went to Pisces, we all sort of took our masks off and even the whole like um, fresh in my mind, cause I was listening to the astrology podcast before this, like the whole sort of themes of like extraterrestrials <laughs> and that like what um coupled with yesterday's news that venus um we're what is it like it's been declared that we're gonna go spend more time on venus or we're gonna make a trip to venus anyway all these sort of like like really sort of wild um other I feel world, like otherworldly other right yeah. like like we're all just trying it's like whoa like we're on this something like we just took this like trip together we're like but what does it mean <laughs> yeah yeah i i i feel you on that i think that almost the day that jupiter ingressed into pisces i was like what am i doing and i need to just take a big giant step back from what i'm doing to find yeah. the animating purpose and principle um, and I stopped doing my individual Deccan videos for the most part and really have been kind of doing a lot of meditation on what, what I want to create um, with like this channel or just with my own life and my own studies and things like that. Um, what I was finding while Jupiter was in Aquarius was I was grinding, you know, I was grinding out content. Um, it had become routine and wrote and and i think that there was some good that was done with it and i have uh, really connected with a lot of people through this channel and, and um you know I've, I've received a lot of great support from the people here and i'm and it, but the question was how do we keep it fresh not just for the audience but for for the person creating it as well right and when I, what i wanted to do was I was feeling more about what, what was I enjoying about this? And what I really enjoy is actually just communicating and connecting with people, you know, and I felt, felt, was feeling like I was howling into the, the void on some level. Mm. Um, but, but again, this is, I think this is why we're experimenting with this today is 
I really enjoy the, 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 interaction the feedback and we we have that with each other and we have that with people in the chat the live streams were something that were always giving me life i really love hearing people's responses in real time here so i i've been you know really considering how that all fits together and and whatnot so i've been hearing from a lot of people too that they have been taking a step back from external action in life and searching for what motivates them i think it's a it's an internal motivation type of uh transit um you know it's when you were talking the sort of vision came to me that because i and that because we did have this conversation early on because it's sort of the same thing happened to me like i suddenly felt like the things i was doing like why like asking all these whys and i just sort of had this sort of vision that it felt like when mercury sorry mercury sorry jupiter went into pisces that suddenly we were all like dropped into the ocean and it was like this slowing down where you're just kind of like looking around like let me take a moment to like look around and, and like ask myself these questions and it's like kind of like harder to talk down here and things feel like slower and heavier so totally my, that was my visual yeah and and <laughs> the ocean is a great metaphor i think for mm -hmm. pisces you know because it's it is this sign of depth it is this yeah. place of you know it's it, it maybe even isn't even slightly a natural place for us you know it's it's this strange place where we there's mystery involved with it you know there's uh this kind of there's all these things happening underneath the surface that we can't even see you know and there's some danger in that but there's yeah. also some great beauty if you've seen some of those like blue planet you know nature documentaries or something like that there's all these wonderful play interplays of light and dark and interesting animals and fish and plants and it's just like whoa there's this whole different world i wasn't even aware of there right absolutely and that, i think that's the thing right we're sort of we've been like sort of on this surface thinking like a very mechanical way like i know i'm doing i'm going through these things and suddenly like we're dropped into the depths and like even like the sun, like, you know, we see the sun coming in in weird ways and we suddenly realize this, this has been here all along, but we don't recognize it, that there has been this other layer that on, on which things operate that we're now suddenly having to confront. <laughs> that's, totally. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point because, you know, in 36 Faces, Austin talks about the sign of Pisces sort of having to do with kind of like a the second decan he describes as a net where it's it's almost like the matrix where it's the the unwritten or un, unspoken rules of creation I think about jupiter as as the demiurge that wants to create from the blueprint that maybe a planet like saturn would provide like mm -hmm. the idealistic platonic forms but jupiter is begetting all of these things and it's it's kind of this awareness that we are working simultaneously with unseen spiritual forces mm -hmm. and physical rules that we have to work within and bringing those into alignment because Jupiter harmonizes things. It brings integrity and peace and the order. It actually is a planet of order and of structure. I think that's one of the kind of secret meanings that really comes out from studying traditional astrology is Jupiter really is about ordering your world. And yeah. We do that by drawing upon the inner vision and helping it to match the external vision. And I would say one of the things with Jupiter in the first decan of Pisces is 
the initial experience might be a sense of dissatisfaction. This is a Saturn ruled Deccan where you might say, my inner reality does not match up with my external reality. You know, the inner desire is not matching up with the outer uh, expression. And you begin the journey of trying to synthesize those two when you're going through that Pisces, uh, I don't know, <laughs> like walkabout, something like that, right? Um, the, the the last thing to say on this, well, I'll I'll say just um, that you know you've pointed out to me, and it was such like a like expansive mind opener that Aquarius is like I'm now every time I think of Aquarius energy, I think about right like being in a plane and looking down. It's like the above ground, so we think like in the clouds, we're looking down, like this is the view. I'm thinking about too, right? Like signs next to each other. They don't really, they can't see each other. So in a sense though, we go from being up here to suddenly goes into Pisces and we're just plunged underwater. Yeah. And that is totally discombobulating. We might feel like we're drowning. Like how, where are we? Um, but there's also something really beautiful because usually what like Jupiter would just go like there, we don't, we don't necessarily have the opportunity to experience these things together, right? There's no aspect between them, right? Like a trine or a square or something like this. Right. So the right. fact that like Jupiter gets to like retro, wait, like go forward and then it's going to like retrograde back. It's going to be like this really, I feel opportune time to consciously think about marrying those two um, energies or perspectives. Well, we get to come up for air for a little while, yeah. don't we? Right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah, right? It's like the flying fish jumping out of the water. It's like, oh, I, I am again. <laughs> Excuse me before we get plunged right back into the depths for a few months afterwards. Okay, so we're that's a good um, talk about Jupiter here. We've got Mars moving through Cancer for the beginning of the month. That's been a little bit of a difficult transit. Um, we won't spend too much time on that, but I've had I've heard a lot of friends that and and I personally have been going through some stuff with Mars and Cancer where we may have some disruptions for you know things that might have brought us nurturing or where we came to expect support and we may be separated from those things on some level. And we have an opposition with Pluto uh, by whole sign um, that it's going to be perfecting over the course of the next few days as well. So um, do you have any quick thoughts on that? Help. <laughs> What's that? Help. Help. Know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, yeah, exactly. I, I'm over it. Uh, <laughs> just just a little, little like Mercury retrograde Mars uh, cancer story. I have a leaky tub right now. Yeah. And I've, I had to wait like three weeks for the plumber to even come to the house to look at it. And they got here and I was like, oh, finally, I'm going to get the tub's going to get fixed. It's in like the feng shui area of my house that has to do with like relationship to the public. And I was like, all right, yeah. now all my cheese going to stop draining down the drain. <laughs> but then they were like, oh, your pipes are so old that we're going to have to shut the water off from the city's going to have to shut the water off from the street. And we can't uh, schedule that until the end of June. And I was like, oh boy, <laughs> it's just like Mercury retrograde, Mars still in cancer. And it's just like, you have to wait for these things to be resolved on some level. So, um, and that in addition, I've been talking about on this channel, someone drove into my fence, into my yard, and there's been all sorts of, you know, little family squabbles here and there too. So I'm ready for that to be over with. Um, although I will say, once Mars moves out of Cancer and into Leo, 
it's going to move directly into an opposition with Saturn in Aquarius. So I don't know how much relief that's actually going to bring, because that's going to be a, a, a really challenging aspect over the course of the summer. Um, okay, so let's, uh, what else did we, we've got Saturn in Aquarius that just recently retrograded. So maybe some, we've been releasing some limitations, I think we've been kind of, people have been rejoining society and, and removing some of the barriers between them and other people like you know physically like not wearing masks as much as anymore like with the a new cdc recommendation um people rejoining and, and things of that nature i have to admit i'm still a little uncomfortable with some of that stuff because i know that you know jupiter is going to be retrograding back into aquarius but i guess i'm trying to figure out how to to move forward and i guess heal from the the trauma of the pandemic and the trauma of being in a heightened sense of anxiety for over a year. And, and I wonder if you have any insights into that. Of the, proceed with caution insights into that part of it. Yeah. Or healing from the collective trauma that we've experienced throughout this. Yeah. I would say that, I don't know. It feels like it's interesting maybe it's just me and I'm super nostalgic. My like Mercury and Pisces can't always see things with clarity, but I mean, just in general, right? Like I feel too right now, like it feels like in some ways, like COVID was such, what is it called? Like when you're like in such a bad position, but you grow like, like you're captured or something that you have sort of like fond, you, you sort of you still don't want to move on. You have these sort of fond memories, right? Like it feels like a little- a Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, like it's interesting now, like suddenly like we're coming for air and like we're looking around and on one hand, like we expect the world to be as it was before COVID and it's not. And that like, we're also maybe used to like our little nests that we're now being pushed out of, like, go, go back. And then like, for me, like everyone I know is moving, right? I think that's the big moving energy right now. Yeah. So it's this sort of weird feeling where it feels a little hungover. You're like, do we proceed? We kind of like, oh, we kind of like liked being in our houses, but like what it, it feels is very, I mean, I guess that's sort of too like, maybe there's Neptune with all of this and like the eclipse, but it feels very uncertain. It feels like I don't even know how to start healing because I don't quite know where I want to be. <laughs> Yeah, Mercury, when we have a Mercury-Neptune square that is still active right now, so the details and the clarity of information is probably difficult to come by. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just a preview of what the I Ching was speaking of is yeah. I Ching is preaching patience, patience for this month in particular. Um, I pulled an animal for this month and the animal was the sloth. So it's like not, not forcing the river, you know, moving at your own pace. Yeah. Um, I think that I mean, that's been my approach is, is to go slow and, and slow and steady wins the race. All right. So we've got Mars. Uh, we did Jupiter. We did Mercury. Um, we just briefly talked about the Mercury-Neptune square. We've still got Uranus grinding its way through uh, Taurus. It's going to be making a square with Saturn. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, and then Venus is going to be moving into Cancer. It is in Cancer at this point as we speak. Uh, and then we will see it dip into Leo towards the end of the month. Um, so Venus and Cancer is kind of a nice, nice thing. Uh, let's let's take a look at that. Yeah. So today's Thursday, June the third. We're getting a little bit of a later start on the 
June forecast here, but that's the way I roll. <laughs> I'm always a little late with stuff, but you know, blame my retrograde Mercury in my own chart. Um, so we've got we're starting out with Venus and Cancer over the beginning of the month here. Um, I really think that this may be helping to smooth out some of the Mars and Cancer issues that we've been dealing with in the domestic spheres bringing maybe some the beginning of some solutions and the beginning of some good fortune to some of those challenges that Mars is bringing up in Cancer. Uh, we also are experiencing today a very nice Venus-Jupiter trine, which is a, a, a really beautiful aspect. Uh, we've got Jupiter in the overcoming trine to Venus here. And uh, I guess the way this is manifesting for me so far is just having you here as a guest yeah. and having this nice uh this nice conversation and having a you know the the venus is the two of cups card right uh with the first decan of cancer so you see the two exchanges of energy yeah. the union of body and soul um do you have any venus or venus jupiter thoughts venus jupiter thoughts um I mean, I was just my focus, right? Because we were in, we were talking about the Mars and my brain sort of stuck there. But I was like, sure. it's so lovely that now suddenly this like Venus is kind of behind, like, I'm going to help put the pieces back together that Mars just like pulled everything apart. And then, you know, and, and Jupiter's helping with that. It's like the, you know, like team benefic, like trying to like, you know, clean up the rubble that is Mars and Cancer. Yeah, I like that because Venus is trying to bring together things that have been separated. Yeah. They were opposite energies when Mars is separating things that maybe belong together. So it's it'll be a little bit of a relief, I think, getting Venus into this sign. Um, and the Jupiter trine, is, is that's a beautiful aspect. I think one thing I've been thinking about with this yeah. aspect is... Yeah being able to rest and like really just start to feel our feelings and get in touch with the emotional, um, seeing beauty again. This is an aspect I think where we can see a lot of beauty manifest in our life. And I'm looking in the chat here and uh, we have some really some cool comments here. I'm gonna go down here for just a second. A lighting light astrology says, I struggle with patience with the time it takes to coalesce different skills or life things into coherence like Sag or being comfortable not resolving the disparate parts like Gemini. Yeah, that's another thing we've been going through recently is trying to release old belief systems with this uh, south node in Sagittarius and maybe yeah. hold disparate narratives with the north node in Gemini. Um, Lisa says, Gemini is all about back and forth conversation. Yeah, one of the things I think that you realize with Gemini over time is it's not just about talking, it's, it's just as much about listening and being able to hear the alternative perspective. Um, Lisa says, all the Leo people singing, what's my motivation? LOL. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Lynn says that they are a Leo ascendant. So welcome fellow Leo crew. <laughs> like, what should we call our club again? Uh, yeah, we called it the feline club. Like Sim feline. Simba's pride or something like that. I don't know. Uh, the pride. This is our, the pride, uh, the Leo pride. Um, a lighting astrology, aligning light astrology says Mars and Leo is going to be a spicy boy time. Oh, yes, it, it probably will be. Us Leo ascendants here are going to feel that for sure with Mars moving into our first house. 
Casey Jones says, I'm moving, and I know lots of others who are too. So piggybacking off of what CV was saying with shakeups, right? The, yeah. A new shakeup of energy. And one more, one or two more comments here. Yeah, Susanna yeah. says, I've got Venus at two degrees Cancer on the descendant, Jupiter return, trine, Jupiter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As a cat moon rising and Cancer sun, I welcome the watery blessings before I get hit by Mars Pluto opposition. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that, Susanna. I'm a little nervous about the, the weekend, but we'll, we'll hopefully we'll provide some guidance with that. Uh, and then Lisa says, Mars does the surgery and Venus comes in to sew it up. I love that. Yes, that's yes. perfect. Good, good, good way of tying a bow on that, Lisa, because I, I like that. We're removing the obstruction and then repairing it, right? Sort of like maybe removing a tumor or something of that nature, right? And now we're in the healing process after the psychic surgery. Okay, so on the, we're, we're still on the third here. We have the Venus-Jupiter trine, which is a beautiful aspect, nurturing a dream, finding support for your vision, um, emotional or intuitive gifts, finding harmony in relationships. We do have another important aspect that is uh, perfecting today, and that is, I'm going to erase this trine for a second, all this jigsaw jazz. We do have a trine happening between the sun and Saturn. So another harmonious aspect of the nature of Jupiter, right? Because of the kind of the relationship in the Thema Mundi or the, the natal chart of the world. And we've gone over that in previous videos uh, here on the channel. So um, I won't spend too much time on that, but sun Saturn, right? Uh, we've got the sun in that ambiguous place, that mercurial, uh, Gemini house where we're exploring, casting doubt, holding dualities. And we've got Saturn retrograding in a decan associated with the Six of Swords, um, which shows two figures that are on a boat traveling between worlds, right? Mm -hmm. being, being ferried to from the old into the new. It's that transition period, like you were talking about all these people that are moving, right? So we're moving on from the past and into a new experience. And to me, I think this is really just speaking to accepting the reality of the duality and the contradictions of accepting that there will be some questions that aren't necessarily, that don't necessarily have answers right now. Mm -hmm. um, and exploring some of the, but maybe even potentially the new social constraints or the new social contracts that we want to establish as a greater collective. Um, any, any feedback on that? Just the, like just the juxtaposition of these two trines happening. This, um, yeah, these two trines happening in the sky makes me think of, right, like still in sort of the backdrop that we're in this sort of reflective Mercury retrograde moment. Like, I feel like the sky is very dynamic. You have this sort of combustible air which is just this sort of shake-up energy but then there's this this sort of underwater right we're talking about that um jupiter and pisces thinking about again we're plunged underwater right making the conversation with the venus so it to me like the the juxtaposition is really like there's this like insight that's suddenly like oh like i sort of like emotionally feel like i have an insight that maybe is aligned with something intellectually like we're getting these sort of like, really good insights but i feel like not 
it's still a really good moment to like listen to them and feel like these are things that are gonna that are going to make sense later or they're like insights that will help us move forward because again with mercury uh retrograde i wouldn't like act on all of this right now but yeah. it feels like a very pregnant time to be um you know getting some really nice quality insights and visions to our direction in life i love the idea of gemini being pregnant with possibility yeah you know, think about like gemini is is on the 12th house of the thema mundi and it was the time before birth at the ascendant where cancer was on the ascendant of the thema mundi yeah. um and 12th house was also associated with child bed or labor so we're going through these kind of labor pains and we're going through this like uh you know accumulating of of tidbits of facts and 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 splitting the cells in a way that we're creating uh, form, right? We're dividing cells and, and through that division, we are creating a more complex being. We're comp creating a more complex version that is eventually going to be fused into a body, a more complex mental construct or spirit that then will be nurtured through that birth and into the body, which I think it is super neat. Absolutely. It just occurred to me, like thinking about the, the, the thesis and antithesis of like how you make a baby, right? You negotiate to like the, <laughs> the, the male parts and the female parts to create this new life form. Right. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> okay. So that's the third. Um, when the sun, Saturn, uh, trine, sobriety. If we move forward to the fifth, um, we're moving through you know, a last quarter into a balsamic moon phase. So we're, we're, the moon is uh, releasing its light and getting darker to, to get to the new moon solar eclipse that we're building to on the 10th. Um, we do have one of the hits of the Mercury retrograde square Neptune on the 5th. Um, so that's going to be happening in addition to the Mars opposition to Pluto. So that day <laughs> looks a little sticky, doesn't it? This is what, Sunday? That's some stuff right there. Saturday. It's my boyfriend's birthday. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's baked into his chart for the that year, huh? Birthday. Right? So fun for him. Um, oh, so some of the things I've written down, maybe difficulty getting clarity around a choice that needs to be made. Mercury in the third decan of Gemini is associated with the Ten of Swords. And that is the resolution of the story of the two twins, where one twin was immortal and one was mortal, and one died, and the other had to give up some of their immortality so that the other could live again. So this coincides with building to the summer solstice, where we will have to make a sacrifice of some of the imagined pathways to be able to breathe life into something else and i think that there may be some confusion about which thing should be released and which thing should be um fused life into austin Kappa calls that deck in the executioner's sword <laughs> so so fuzzy details right confusion yeah. uh maybe reviewing some of your idealistic visions, which is has something to do with the third decan of Pisces, where we're willing to sacrifice for our ideals. 
um, that was a Mars ruled Deccan. So there's there's a, almost like a martyr energy around that Deccan. Um, so I would say be careful that you're not sacrificing for an ideal that isn't able to be manifested. I think it's really important to stay grounded and to you know, run your ideas by your most practical friend before acting upon them. I don't even think it's the time to act upon things in general. Would you agree with that? I mean, you think you've stated that. Today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then Mars Pluto, that one, in my notes I have written down violent emotions potentially surfacing um, potential themes of like abduction, which are associated with, with Pluto. Uh, Pluto or Hades would erupt from the underworld to abduct uh, Persephone or, or other things that they were desiring. Um, I think that there may be some conflicts over the home structure with some with some corruption potentially re re revealed, right? So we're being separated from that which is bringing us nurturing, and it's bringing up a lot of deep buried feelings that need to be dealt with. I always think of Pluto as the the clogged toilet, uh, and we're gonna be think about it like this: you've got a really nasty clogged toilet. And you're going to war with it and you've got like the plunger and you're like i'm gonna <laughs> plunge this thing but you may just get covered in shit. that may be the, like the result of what happens with this at some level um what do you think i'm just looking at him like man it's pretty no, i don't want to say i was like it's nasty it's particularly feel difficult because like it's okay pluto um mars is like not the easiest but it's in cancer <laughs> so it's just like i don't know I'm, I'm sort of i think i'm there with you these themes of sort of abduction i feel like this could be like sort of an emotionally volatile um yeah surfacing I and like it's... i feel like pluto's like hard reality to some extent like i feel like there could be some sort of physical component to all of this yeah i guess my i would i would uh preach taking a time out if you need it i think yeah. that pluto contacts especially with mars i heard alan white who was a really interesting hellenistic astrologer mm. who was part of that project hindsight group with yeah. schmidt and zoller and all that i heard him describe pluto as nuclear fusion and nuclear fission where it could blow something small into something very big or it can minimize something very big into something small. So I, I, I think that the, there's potential for the, the issues, the, the discontent and the anger issues that may be bubbling below the surface in our domestic spheres mm -hmm. to be very much blown the doors off of over the weekend if we aren't conscious of what is of our actions and of our responses to things that may be creating conflict. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So just, just give everybody extra space, ask questions rather than making declarative statements, because you may not have all the details with, with Mercury squared Neptune at this period of time. A lot of the conflict may be coming directly from misunderstandings. And one of the things I like to use, uh, are the four agreements, right? And one of the four agreements is don't make assumptions, ask questions, 
and uh, you know, use your word for for good. Uh, be true to your integrity, things of those nature. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is time for questions rather than declarative statements. Sometimes when we make declarative statements in the heat of battle, it's really hard to walk those back and we may not necessarily mean it, but the damage has been done. So that would be a caution that I would, I would throw out there as well. All right, I'm looking through the chat. Tarya says, it's womb time. Yes, I like that, womb time. Loop Goat is here. Hi, Loop Goat. Yeah, you know Loop Goat. Loop Goat joins us on uh, Instagram. Um, Lisa is saying, the movie Crash, where people rush to judgment and it costs people their lives. Yeah, exactly. It's an important time not to rush into a judgment. Casey Jones says, my home has already been very hostile since Mars moved into cancer. I feel like I am being forced to take action, even though I am not ready and options are limited. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, I think um, as much as you can diffuse those conflicts without necessarily having to to commit one way or another, I think is is positive. I know we, we in my family, we had a little family like meeting, a little like yeah. get together, a little session where we really had to air some grievances and come to terms with figuring out what people's conflicting needs were. And yeah. once we really understood where each other were coming from and what we needed, it was a lot easier to provide solutions that would work for people. And a lot of the things that had been building up is because a lot of that went unexpressed. And I think that that's the thing, like that's, that's what Pluto is doing here. It's pushing all that thing below the surface so that eventually it does have to be dealt with though. It is going to emerge or erupt like Hades does, you know, from that underworld into the surface. Um, two more comments here, Deborah Donaldson. Welcome, Deborah. Says, sounds like it's going to be a fun birthday for me on the fifth. Oh boy, Deborah, you you and CB's boyfriend. And have... and a member of our astrology group from last night. I don't want to say people's names. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Got another another fellow Gemini uh, that is going to be having a fun solar return chart. Um, aligning light astrology, curiosity and compassion. Yes, I, I agree. Asking questions and holding space for people. Um, remember the, the, the real part of Gemini is not just expressing your opinion, but, um, holding space for others to do so as well. Tarya says, my sister has her birthday, the fifth and my daughter, the sixth. <laughs> well, good luck, Tarya. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have some, uh, some Gemini energy, uh, where they're going to be probably going through some challenging times. Um, you're in good company though. Cause good Cody. Cause we're pulling out all the June 5th people apparently. Yeah, uh, a dynamic birthday to be sure. Mm -hmm. So let's move forward to the 10th because we have some pretty important astrology happening on the 10th. Um, any questions from people in the chat here? We've got some great comments. Uh, we've got people checking in here. Um, some nice interactions. I'll keep my eye out on that. But we'll, on the 10th, we are going to be experiencing a new moon solar eclipse. So I'm going to actually go right to the moment of that eclipse and see, let's go back here. There it is. So here we see the new moon solar eclipse, which is a, a conjunction of the sun and the moon on one of the nodes. So here we see it's on the north node of uh, Gemini at about 10 degrees of Gemini, the north node being on the fixed star Aldebaran, which is associated with integrity. 
um, lots of issues with integrity and being able to to do the right thing even if someone's not you know watching. Um, and this is at 19 degrees Gemini, so the very end of that second decan where we're going to be asked to hold duality. Um, we also are going to be seeing Mercury making a Kazemi that same day. Now that Kazemi will happen in Gemini 3, which is that 10 of swords energy. So new moon eclipses, right? We've got, we just recently had a full moon eclipse where we were letting go of old narratives with the moon conjoining the south node on in Sagittarius, right? Where we were saying, okay, this story isn't serving me anymore. Uh, the, the dragon's tail is like, you know, a disembodied head that's crapping out old stuff. <laughs> that's kind of how I think of that. And here we've got the dragon's head, which is hungry. So there is a hunger for new experience. There's a hunger for exploration. There's a hunger for exploring multiple paths or disparate elements, um, and maybe trying to unify them on some level too, eventually. So what do you think about this uh, solar eclipse uh, CV? You know, it's, I'm still, um, of course, I always try to think of it like in my like personal life of how sort of I'm experiencing these things. And, you know, it doesn't make sense quite to say that there's going to be a clarity around this. Um, but I don't know, I just think of um, this energy of like, maybe like somewhat of pushing us in a new direction, if that makes sense at all. Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah. Like, that's going to be the thing where we, we look back and like, oh, okay, that's where this was going. But I'm, I'm not quite sure if it's gonna like, all jump us, like, you know, like on the day I'm going to jump in the jump, jump in our faces. Yeah, I can speak really I can. I'd yeah. love to hear Yeah, I think it's a I think it's really interesting because it is hosted by Mercury mm -hmm. also really kind of joining in that exact same space. Um, I would say that it's a strong moment for Mercury because the Kazemi moment is the Mercury being infused with new purpose, with new awareness, with new information. So I really think it's important for people to really pay attention to the messages that they are receiving around this period of time, because I think it could have wide reaching uh, ramifications for the, the next story of your life. And really pay attention to the Gemini house um, and also the Virgo house, because they are going to be related. They're going to be uh, those two narratives are interwoven like that spider web that we were talking about beforehand. Um, yeah, I mean, us Leo Ascendants is kind of a Leo, Leo Rising show. It's a new, a new start in our 11th house of groups, right? Where, uh, you know, we've been discussing kind of a, a new kind of meetup group that we are arranging on some level and trying to figure out some of the way that that would work and how that would um, sort of the expectations for that as well. Um, and, you know, and here we are doing something new with like interacting with the public as well. So we'll see. Do you have anything in the hopper as far as like 11th house things in, in your life, CV? Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, my, I have a, the first thing that comes to mind is there was a the um, 
I started actually last year after Norwalk an astrological writers group, which you're part of. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been really thinking about reconfiguring that to focus more on writing and being more workshop and oriented and kind of taking it to the next level. So it feels more engaging for people. And I've been really like, I kind of like when it's funny going back here, when Jupiter went to Pisces, I had this strong feeling to hold back. Like we need to change this. And now I'm like starting to like feel like, oh, this is where, this is where it could go. And I've been really hesitant to, to, um, to, to start the first, to assign the first meeting. Cause I'm like, I don't know, this feels like, do I wait till Mercury goes direct? Do I wait till after the Kazemi? Like, um, so maybe I, I responded with a bit of a question for you. Like, <laughs> what, like, what are your thoughts on like acting on something? Like, you know, again, we're getting that sort of Ju- Jupiter sort of bringing these ideas, but it has been a sort of volatile weather. Yeah. I mean, I think that what is beginning here is exactly what you stated, the beginning of asking a question. Mm-hmm. I think it's the beginning of holding duality. It's the beginning of exploration that eventually will lead to choices. But I, what I think that is important for people to recognize is that you don't have to have all the answers on the new moon. You know, this is something that's going to unfold over many weeks and many months, potentially maybe even many years. So I think that if you um, become present rather than getting flustered by imagining all of the possibilities yeah that the oh answer God, will be well, yeah it'll be revealed right i think it's about paying attention i feel we just had the gemini conversation right because i was like do i hold off because there's so many ways for this to go but part of it is like no you can't put your life on hold right like you do yeah. the thing with the understanding that like maybe also too like we could say this gemini takeaway a little bit of the synthesis happens in actually making the thing. Yeah. Right. Totally. And, and, you know, Mercury is, is retrograde for a good portion of the year, like at least yeah. six or seven weeks out of the year. And you can't just put your entire life on hold. And there's really actually some, quite a few gifts that you can glean from Mercury's retrograde period. Yeah. I think that a lot of the work that's going to happen when Mercury is specifically under the beams of the sun yeah. is internal work, is hidden work that is mm-hmm. not necessarily visible. Um, that doesn't mean you're not doing the work. It just means that the work is being done uh, getting clear on what you really want before it is revealed. And I will say, just if you're curious, I'm going to go forward for just a minute here because what I want to see is when Mercury is going to separate by 15 degrees. So here we have kind of the heliacal rising of Mercury um, at around the summer solstice. So whatever seed you're planting around the 10th, there probably will be some visual manifestation of it around that summer solstice period of time. Okay, So let's go back in time here again. Um, okay, I think we've got a pretty good handle on the new moon eclipse. Um, the sun will then move into the third decan of Gemini. So this will be a time where instead of being able to juggle all the ambiguities, we may feel that we can't um, keep all these spinning, excuse me, all these spinning plates in the air. And a choice is necessitated during this period of time. Um, or it could lead to uh, the name of the card, which is called ruin. 
Um, but remember, the, the, the Ten of Swords has a black sky that is going away to a new dawn. So I think that with any release, you are simultaneously inviting the new experience and committing to the new experience. So I would recommend with this Deccan placement is release what needs to be released and do it with love. Because what you're doing is you're not just losing something, you're simultaneously committing to something that you want to nurture moving forward into cancer season. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right, a few comments we've got. It'll be conjunct my north. This uh, Casey Jones says the eclipse will be conjunct the north node at 17 degrees. Okay, so you'll feel this one, Casey. Um, Lisa, fate steps in to see us through. Yes, definitely. When you wish upon a star. <laughs> um, that's Jupiter, maybe at this point, the Jupiter yeah. Venus trine. Yeah. Top Notch Vintage is here. Hi, uh, Top Notch. Yeah, Top Notch Vintage uh, says it's exact my... It's exact my ascendant. Oh boy. Um, that'll be fun. Merc retrograde is okay to relaunch something already conceived of. Yeah, I agree. I think oh, that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think Mercury retrograde, if we look at it from the way Schmidt would talk about it, you're recalling a witness to the stand. So there was testimony that was already given, and you're recalling that witness to give extra facts, to give extra. Uh, interpretations to give you more clues that may not have been revealed the first time. So, so yeah, you're, you're kind of, um, if there's something that you've already done, you may have to rework it on a certain level, but, but it's a, it's a divine course correction. Think of it like that too. The, the changes that need to be made are going to, to make for a better, more fruitful flowering than if you had just moved forward you know, without the review process or period. So, um, and a lot of people really, they do launch things at the Kazemi of Mercury, even if it's retrograde, that's, that's a powerful time for making a new start. But again, it's a start. It doesn't have to be the whole enchilada, so to speak. Absolutely. I love that though. I didn't even think about that. Cause you know, you think about review going back, but then thinking about like a relaunch of like, and that totally fits into that. And that's a really um, yeah. Helpful insight. So thank you, Carol. Okay. So if we move forward to the 11th um, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep going through here. We're, we're, uh, <laughs> it's a bit long one. I think we're getting, we're getting some good insight. We're getting some good depth yeah. here. It's a great conversation, CV. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my goodness. This is great. All right. So June 11th and 12th, we're going to see Mars moving into Leo. So Mars moving into Leo improves Mars condition by sign or by house, right? Um, it is moving out of its fall, out of a place where it's very unhappy and into a place where it has, I don't know if it has specific dignity here. Let me check my dignity chart. Um, it only has dignity in the third face of Leo, but it is not at the bottom of the wheel of fortune anymore. So it's, it's probably a slightly more comfortable position for Mars yeah. with a caveat. And it's a big caveat because now by whole sign, we are witnessing Saturn, a traditional planet by opposition. Mm -hmm. and this is, um, sorry, Leo Risings, but this is gonna be happening over your first and seventh house axis. 
It's okay. We're all in this together. It feels better knowing I'm with one. The uh, the Leo Pride cr- Club here is uh, probably going to be dealing with some challenges as far as issues of um, the self versus the other, uh, where you may want to be making some changes and, and taking some action based on your own personal perspective, but there is going to be some limitations that are coming into place in the relationships in your life. And this is true for every access as well. There's going to be a place in your life where you're going to want to move forward. You're going to want to fight for your authentic identity, but there may be some things that, uh, that are more socially based that are bringing limits and that are putting the brakes on potentially, uh, self-expression in whatever area of life Mars is going to be posited. Um, there is a, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this in terms of our discussion that we had last night, CV, as yeah. well. Um, we, we've been uh, examining a, a new book that's coming out, uh, Post-Colonial Astrology by Alice Sparkly Cat. And uh, it, it raises some really interesting questions about astrology in general and about uh, identity and about how we're using these symbols um, as astrologers in, in a modern context versus in um, a traditional context that may have been based on patriarchal themes, colonialism, or things of that nature. And it seems like kind of a hot-button topic um, that is reflective of some of the hot-button topics that we're seeing play out in society as well. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that all will play out, right, CV? I'm grinning. <laughs> I know. Do you ever like, it's sometimes it's so hard to look at the transits because you're thinking of your own life and you're like, just move past. Yeah, let's just skip that one, right? Like, Yeah, I think it's going to bring up, I think this transit is going to bring up a lot of uncomfortable questions and a lot of self-examination um, because there's going, there's potentially maybe some frustration about being yourself within a larger context. And I think that that's part of what the breakdown I see of this particular aspect might be, is we may be trying to fight for an identity, but there is a, a Saturn is reviewing the need to work towards collective goals. So we may be, feel tempted to work towards an individual goal, but it's going to be coming into conflict with the collective experience. And that's a tough thing. And I don't know how, if we need to necessarily resolve it. We, we have to hold that duality. That may be part of this eclipse, too, is being able to hold the duality between the individual and the collective. Yeah, I just have this like visual of like Mars and Leo being this sort of like very like, like, sort of I feel like there's a group of people being like let's just like I really want to like do the thing and I'm, I'm so excited let's do it and like feeling like very like in the moment and heart-centered and then like Saturn in a helicopter is like no like the spotlight like don't do it it's yeah. you know you it's it's not going to work out for someone else or something and like there's just this sort of tug of war between like let's have a party and then no we have to work tomorrow and the next day well and isn't that fascinating too because we I think that we're moving into the summer season in the Northern Hemisphere here, and we've been bottled up for so long with COVID and like with sheltering in place and things of that nature that 
we may aggressively be like, it's time to do what we want. Ah. But there may be other things, you know, limitations still that we have to respect where, you know, I, I don't think the pandemic is completely over. I mean, it, if you uh, if you aren't vaccinated right now, there's still quite a bit of danger uh, for, for people out there. And I think that it's, um, I don't know, I have, I've had to really kind of think about what my role is as far as like rejoining society. I'm, I'm not in any rush. I, I'm kind of risk averse. So I'm coming from a very, uh, I guess, uh, philosophically uh, risk averse, um, you know, I guess, socially conservative viewpoint, not like politically conservative, but just conservative as far as like, I'm not, I don't want to take a, a huge risk as far as like my health is concerned. This 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 whole transit feels like the prelude to Jupiter going back into Aquarius, right? Because there's this yeah. moment of like, I'm free, we're just all one. And then like Mars in like, sorry, Leo is like pumping up, like let's party. And then Saturn's like, no, no, no. It's a sobering moment of Aquarius. Like let's look at the bigger picture. And I feel like there's going to be a bit of that that's going to be sort of like, again, the prelude to when Jupiter comes back. It's part of the same story. Totally. I agree. All right. Not over yet, people. What's that? It's <laughs> not over yet. It's not over yet. Yes, there's there's some stuff coming this summer. And I guess buckle up is what I will say. Um, okay. So let's move forward to the 13th. And in the 13th, there is a, a little minor transit here. We've got a nice sextile between Venus and Uranus. So potentially... Um, celebrating some new ways to create abundance or generosity, maybe some relationship breakthroughs. Now that Mars has moved out of cancer, maybe we have some new ways to relate to one another that were revealed through Mars's transit through cancer. So I think that's a, a little bit of a nice shakeup, not a, not a nasty one. Um, on that day, we also have the sun making a square to Neptune. So that's kind of the big aspect of that day. Um, Sun Neptune. I don't know about you, CV, but Neptune aspects always make me feel tired. Uh, I, I don't see them. I don't experience them as this like transcendent, beautiful dream type of thing. I experience them as all the life has drained out of my body and I want to lay on the couch and stare off into the void. Um, and I wonder if you have anything like that that you've experienced. You know, this is like, People always think like, this is my perspective and I feel like I'm dropped like the anvil on it, but like, oh, like dreamy is so good, right? Like we have this thing like dreamy, this is gonna be like lovely. And I don't know, I personally am like, especially maybe it is because of this, they're the Neptune uh, Mercury energy that's been happening, but I have been like having, I always remember my dreams and I always have pretty intense dreams, but they've been way more intense lately. Yeah. Like I can go back and I can still remember my dreams I had last week, like the, the sort of landscape of them. And like, while they're interesting, they're also kind of terrifying. I think that's the thing. Like in dreams, we often like make sense of the world. And there are these really alien, at least for me, like landscapes that aren't that pleasant. Like it's being faced with this weird alternative reality that maybe like if I lived in the dream world and came to like hang out in this world, this world would be equally terrifying. But that's my Neptune takeaway yeah. is that the dream isn't always pleasant. Sometimes it's terrifying yeah. and makes you tired. Yeah, because it's it's just bringing up maybe things that aren't on the surface. It's it's 
it's both, I think Neptune can be both the beautiful uh, glistening sunlight coming through the ocean surface, but also it can be the the great white shark that's, you know, circling the reef waiting to, to hunt you and your fears, you know? Exactly. Or even those just like weird underwater creatures that like glow, they're not necessarily like bad, but they're kind of terrifying because you don't know what they are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that Cameron world Mercury, or I'm sorry, Neptune is a dissolving quality, right? It's just, mm -hmm. it's dissolving into mush and goo. And sometimes that feels okay. And sometimes we have to be careful that we're just not like, you know, releasing all the structure that keeps, you know, the, the wheels of life moving. Right. Um, we've got some comments rolling in here, CV. Yeah. Uh, Lisa says, I'm waiting to reread the fable of the lion and the mouse. Yeah, that, that would be mm -hmm. a good one for Mars opposite Saturn with that Leo placement. Um, humility, I think is a really good way of, of dealing with that transit in particular, um, not getting conflicts based on um, feeling like you're disrespected or overinflated pride or things like that, um, which, you know, I, I would say as a Leo ascendant person, I, I can be guilty of that sometimes if, mm -hmm. if I, f I can feel defensive, if someone is putting into question my authenticity or like uh, my self-expression, that is we have to be careful not to be triggered by that on some level. Um, Aligning Light Astrology says, I'm having a Neptune transit over my natal moon. I'm exhausted and studying mindfulness like it's my job. I sort of don't like the physical aspects. Yeah, I, I think Neptune moon is definitely feeling like, you know, this dissolving of the body, right? Because moon can is, is the physical form coming in. Whereas if we contrast that with Neptune square to the sun, I think it's a dissolving of our awareness of our spirit, spiritual, um, mm, I don't know, of like having a sense of purpose where our purpose is dissolved, you know? Yeah. And I can't like help but think when you talk about the sun as a sense of purpose, but also just this dissolving, going back to the dream world, it, it, it can feel like the dissolving of reality can just feel unpleasant because we don't know where we stand <laughs> like like it, it can just feel very alienating and like suddenly you've been stranded yeah yeah kind of that ground confusion. the ground beneath your feet is literally like dissolving and, and what happens like totally um, okay so when we move forward to the 16th flag day uh, we will see. Uh, one of the major aspects of 2021 that we've been kind of uh, experiencing in the background, um, really over the course of the entire year, and we have a square between Saturn and Uranus. And, um, you know, I've heard people talk about old versus new, what to conserve what versus what to disc uh, discard. Um, yeah. Collective needs versus the personal needs. We we have have our um, our systems of money are being shaken up, right? Our financial systems. Um, we are trying to renegotiate collective values and collective uh, structures and organizations. I wanted to throw this out to you, CV. Um, there's a book that I'm reading called Tiny Universe by Joy Usher, and uh, 
I just started reading the companion today. You got me to get it. Yeah, nice. I wanted to to read this. Um Please. because this is a really great way of thinking about of helping me reconceptualize Saturn and Aquarius in particular. It says, another reason why Aquarius is an appropriate sign for Saturn's rulership is to remember that there are two ways by which Saturn maintains its boundaries. One way is through the use of physical borders, Capricorn, and the other, and perhaps the more insidious, is to maintain separation through the control of information or the repetitious reinforcement of lies in order to instill a particular mindset. The term brainwashing is apt for the air sign, which is the passive quality of wetness and the ruling planet of Saturn. It's important to understand that sometimes fighting what we are conditioned to think can become one of the greatest battles of our lives. So she goes on to talk about Saturn being physical boundaries we construct, but Aquarius Saturn um, being more about the glass ceiling, ideas that we feel like we can't move past, right? Like where we have these assumptions socially that, oh, you're not supposed to do that. You can't do that because it's a, a faux pas or it's a limit that you can't get past, right? Um, and I thought that was really fascinating, just seeing like this, the narrative controls and denying certain parts of the story to only present your specific viewpoint, right? What do you think of that? Um, it made me think of bouncing here. Um, the first thing that came to mind, and maybe this isn't, I'm being a little off here, but I was thinking about like all the cyber attacks that have been happening recently with Saturn Aquarius mm -hmm. and sort of that like limiting um, control in that way or setting a boundary that way. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, and also say, like, think of the laws being passed in certain states where they are uh, limiting the ability for teachers to teach things like critical race theory, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're saying, we literally will not allow this information to be passed on to the youth of America for a specific agenda that, that we have, right? And in, in the same regard, too, there is maybe I've been saying this, that this happens on both sides of a political perspective. That is maybe a conservative perspective. We also have people on a more liberal type of side that uh, are trying to um, make sure that certain histories are not taught as well, or that there's like the kind of cancel culture and saying, if you don't agree with us, you're not going to be part of the, the public conversation anymore. I think yeah. both are equally damaging on some level, Absolutely. right? So I think that we're seeing that shake up with Saturn and Aquarius being in a square where we are going to have to potentially learn some flexibility in the way that we distribute resources, but also we may have to be re-examining, especially with this retrograde of Saturn, the social agreements that we have with one another and how we are going to be uh, disseminating information and what narrative we're going to agree upon as a society. Societies don't function unless there's an agreement as far as what the animating principle is in that society. And we're, I think we're in a polarized moment right now where there's a, a lot of disagreement about what the animating principle is for our particular society, especially in America. 
and it's creating a, a difficulty of finding consensus, re even reality, right? It's like people are living in completely different realities. That's, that's tough, I think. I was just thinking about all of that happening in the backdrop of this, you know, eclipse season on the Sagittarius Gemini axis, thinking about like, which information do we keep? What don't we keep? Like what, bringing those two conversations together. Totally, totally. Here's how it plays out. Okay, so let's move on to uh, the sun in Cancer 1. So that's giving us through Gemini, the sun through Gemini 3. And we're going to see on the 20th, did I forget anything? I don't think I did. Yeah, that's, that's the last major thing that's going on there. Um, when the sun moves into Cancer 1 on the 20th, okay, this is our summer solstice. So this is our moment where we are seeing, okay, uh, that moment where the, the sun changes direction, right? So it is now, uh, think about it like this. We've got the sun rising in what's called declination. This is the horizon line. And eventually as it rises, every day at noon, it gets higher in the sky we hit that point at cancer, the summer solstice, and it begins to descend and the days start to get shorter. So we've hit a peak moment where we maybe we have the most light that we'll have uh, for the year, the most awareness that we'll have. And now we're going to be descending into darkness. And we're, we've probably decided through our exploration in Gemini what we are going to nurture into form uh, in the sign of cancer. So Cancer One is has some significations with the Two of Cups. Austin Coppock calls it mother and child. And I wanted to explore with UCV the theme of, first of all, that theme of sacrifice, and also um, the concept of motherhood being something where we are both consuming and providing. Because that was one of the themes of that Deccan is, what do we consume so that we provide? And, and how do we balance out nurturing, receiving, and providing for others? Hmm. Um, <laughs> like, I'm like, there's so much. What was the exact question? Yeah. Um, what do you think is, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to figure out what exactly is the question in there. Uh, what do you think is the best way with some of these transits that we're experiencing to uh, balance out how you provide energy for people and sure. how you take in nourishment to be able to provide it for what you're trying to create? Well, I think of, um, it's funny because for my personal right like trigger moment like i feel like i'm at an age where i realized i'm not having children everyone's talking about babies i'm like why does cancer always be babies um motherhood yeah. this very linear concrete form i digress anyway it's interesting to think about right like that like that gemini moment of feeling okay like what is it i loved how you said that what is it that we're nurturing right so like feeling it's this sort of eclipse season it's very like heavy and you know and eclipse season always happens um, well, no, ignore that bubble of a thought. At any rate, we had this, like, we're sort of in Gemini where we're thinking about what it is we're giving birth to. Right. And then we're going to cancer and it is, it's 
this idea that like we're going to get this peak light and it um the first thing I think about is this idea of like, you know, creating healthy boundaries of like the crab shell, right? Of and it, I think that's how you do it, right? You have to be aware of everything you take in. You can't just, is you have to discriminate about what you take in yeah. because it's going to be within your shell, right? And that's, you, you can't just take anything in because you are creating this secure environment. So being aware of that and then also being aware of like what leaves, um, you know, cancer has this tendency to, hold on to things. So maybe it's more of on the input. So maybe continuing this idea that like, you know, as we go, we, we transition. It's interesting because we're in the height of summer. And so it's so fascinating. I'm just like thinking about this, like, right. Like thinking about guarding, like what is ours, not ours, but. Well, it's, I think like an know, idea. Well, you're on the right track as far as, uh, <laughs> um, Cancer is sort of like the chariot card, right? Like it's yeah. our it's our vehicle. We're trying to infuse something into a body. Yeah. And and I like what you were saying about what are we going to take in, and how are we going to transmute that into nourishment, either for our creative children or our ch our children of the mind, our mm -hmm. projects that we want to breathe life into, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think that as a Cancer Sun myself and Cancer Mercury. Um, I do have to be discriminating about what I take in so that what I'm providing is nourishing, right? Yeah. I have to be, I have to like say, okay, I, I have to create a boundary so that I'm not just absorbing negativity all the time because I will reflect like the moon. I'll reflect someone's negativity back to them. <laughs> it's painful for me and for them. So it, sometimes you have to like, um, like you say, create a healthy boundary check in with your vehicle, you know, like make sure you're taking care of the body that you're going to, you know, that is carrying the soul's purpose and energy throughout the world. Um, I do think one of the things that is going to be interesting that's happening is Jupiter is turning retrograde on this day as well on the solstice day. Mm -hmm. But also, now that the sun's moved into cancer, Jupiter is in an overcoming trying to the sun. That's really nice. I'm thinking it's time to go to the beach. It's time to like go swimming or something uh, or just go somewhere relaxing where you can kind of just take care of your body and really just be in the waters of your, you know, of your liminal spaces. Does that make sense? Absolutely. In my head, I'm still trying to think I'm like playing the whole seasonality thing together. And there's something about this when we're in spring where it's almost like we're looking forward to summer in this really um big way and then when we're in summer it's sometimes sometimes even though we're at the height of it maybe it's just me it always feels like the moment feels so fleeting like the minute we're in it it almost feels like we're just about to be out of it yeah and um well because we're trying to sustain that time right exactly yeah sustenance there we go i think that's the word trying to sustain it and how do you do that and, and understanding like maybe the actions you take too it's interesting in like terms of everything else that's having in this chart right there's a maybe a need for some sort of sobriety and being cautious yes well and and that will bring us to the 21st the day after where we have oops oh stop <laughs> sorry sometimes it goes crazy uh, June 21st, 
we will see Venus making a trine to Neptune. So again, this is kind of a nice aspect. It's a harmonious aspect between Venus and Neptune, but it may be leading us to being a little bit overly idealistic, overly indulgent. Um, yeah. Again, a need for caution and, and circumspection when it comes to our pursuit of pleasure. Uh, Austin Kopic talks about the third decan of cancer as being related to luxurious tastes and mm -hmm. figuring out what to do with an excess. So this, this is a very abundant decan, but mm -hmm. there may be challenges of thinking about, okay, I have enough, but because I have enough, maybe that there's questions of, did I uh, take something from someone else? And what do I do with this excess? Can I give it back? Can I, can I keep mm -hmm. the flow of prosperity going and not become a hoarder of generosity or prosperity? Um, so this is, a, I think, just a, a dreamy, uh, aspect where, you know, relax, take a time out, whatever that means for you. Uh, I don't know if it's how safe people feel traveling or whatnot, but I'm sure that there's ways to do that and connect with nature in a way that is safe at this point. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to a little bit of that time, I think. Um, if we go to the 22nd, we'll kind of try to wrap this up here. On the 22nd, uh, the Mercury turns direct. So at 16 degrees of Gemini, we have a direct Mercury. And usually important events happen at the Mercury station. Um, again, this is happening concurrently with Mercury emerging from under the sun's beams. So not only will Mercury be moving forward again, but it will also be visible. So I think this is a really important day for the, the things that you've been trying to examine for the last few weeks with the questions that are being asked, right? Mm -hmm. um, the 23rd, we've got a Sun-Jupiter trine. What do you think about Sun-Jupiter trine, CV? Um, I'll take any trine from Jupiter. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I think this is one of the most positive aspects you can possibly have from any planet is an overcoming trine from the greater benefic. So I really think even despite some of the rumblings we're going to be feeling with Mars opposite Saturn and, and things of that nature and the Saturn um, Uranus square, this is a, a week or a moment, a few days, you know, between the 20th and like the 24th, mm -hmm. where we really are going to be feeling good. I think there's a lot of potential to feel good, um, to like, you know, be able to connect with the people we love, I think. Uh, to take a time out and to take a break and to really feel a sense of relief that comes from having made a choice and releasing the anxiety that comes with trying to 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 carry too many options forward, right? That sense of relief, ah, oh, finally I made a choice and now this is where we're going, right? Oh yeah, I love that. On the heels of the, the, the stationing, it's like you step into the room and you look out and there's this like terrific rainbow. You're like, I've I can do it now. Yes, perfect. I can walk into the I can walk into the rainbow. Perfect. Yeah. I uh I love that rainbow image for this. We'll see if we can see some rainbows. Now, there is one little uh wrench in the gears on this day that we will uh have to acknowledge. We do have an opposition between Venus and Pluto. 
uh, that is perfecting on the same day as this Jupiter uh, Sun trine. So some of the similar themes we that may have come up with the Mars Pluto uh, opposition earlier in the month on the fifth are probably going to be revisited in a certain different way, where re relationships are going to be put to the test. There may be some things that bubble up from the surface that we have been repressing, uh, where we're trying to create harmony in that area of our life, but we're going to have to kind of deal with maybe some deep feelings around this. Maybe through relaxing, you're allowing yourself to feel some, excuse me, some things that you weren't able to, to deal with in the past. Uh, and maybe you're sitting on the beach or you're sitting uh, in your backyard and your kiddie pool. And through that ability to relax, you know, the emotions just start coming up. And maybe there's this great sadness, I think, too, um, for what we've gone through over the last few months and year here. Uh, I think that when we start to feel that beauty again, it can also bring up some of the things that um, we've dealt with. And I, I think it's, I know for me personally, it, there's been a lot that I've felt that I've had to like not feel just to maintain a center to be able to get through this period of time yeah. that when we start to relax a little bit, some of that might start pouring out, right? The first word that comes to mind is like thawing right? You're like, oh, it's exciting. It's getting warmer. Things are nice. But then you look around and you see what the snow is covering and having yeah. to like come to terms with that. Yeah. Thaw thawing out of our emotions for mm -hmm. sure. And, and maybe in addition to this beautiful relaxation that, that is possible during this few days, maybe it's okay to have a good cry. Maybe it's okay to have a good cathartic release that will allow you to to move forward and to purify you know that which has been repressed or that which has come up and and or potentially the recognition of what has become corrupted remember venus is a planet of purification it's a ritual planet okay so we're we, i think it cleaning something that has fallen into disrepair could also um, bear some fruit all right um i have to say this though because like you brought it like um we're talking about venus and pluto yeah and i just imagine suddenly i'm talking about these rainbows and you're like oh but look and i had this like vision of like persephone like playing with her friends in a field and being like this is such a great day the sun's out there's these terrific flowers <laughs> and the baby's coming up yeah. <laughs> that yes wow that's profound CV and I th I'm that makes me nervous but also that's an, a, an amazing image because you're totally right like Persephone was just like smelling the flowers and was like you know just enjoying the beauty of spring or early summer and then just Hades just erupts from the ground and in like in this great chariot with these big you know black horses and just swallows her up you know and um but think, ultimately you sorry to interrupt go, go, go ahead you could think of it as like, because I was like, you know, we always go like, oh, it's bad. But I mean, in some ways it was a course correction, right? We, right. we, we learned to respect and love the seasons because they were almost taken away from us. And so maybe we shall go meditate on that story. Yeah. I think just one final warning with this aspect yeah. is um, sometimes Pluto Venus contacts can yeah. coincide with trying to assert power in a relationship. Yeah. 
And we have to, I think, just be careful that you don't get into a mm. manipulative ways of trying to uh, gain nurturing or gain love or gain or, or even providing it. This could be something where we're trying to provide love and nurturing, but we could be doing it in a way that is limiting or in a way that is manipulative or potentially forceful. So I would say love people, but, but, you know, you, you, CB, do you remember that, that show? I don't know. We we're about the same age. You remember Animaniacs? Remember that show? I did, but I never really watched it, but please tell me. Okay. In Animaniacs, there's this girl and, and I found out that the actor is Cree Summer, who has the same birthday as me, July 7th. And she would go and she, all the animals were afraid of her because she'd, she'd go and squeeze them and be like, I want to hug you and squeeze you and love you forever. You know, (laughs) like, and I'm actually, it was a moment of recognition because I I do that with my cats. And I'm like, I love you so much, you know, (laughs) but I think it's, you have to be careful not to overly get involved in situations and, and overly provide to where you may be, you know, creating this feeling with people that they are. Um, trapped, you know, where they're uh, not able to have their own sense of agency and things of that, right? Mm, that's perfect. That's a, I think that's a perfect Venus in Cancer and then Pluto being like, I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> right. Um, a couple uh, comments are coming in. Um, Tarya is saying uh, she, she agrees with the lighting light astrology. Uh, all the dreams have been coming true. Can't believe my life is so good. Well, that's great, Tarya. You you have Jupiter, uh, a nice Jupiter transit right now with uh, uh, some Pisces energy in your chart. Um, a lighting light astrology says, that's excellent to hear. Don't get me wrong. I have the best place right now, but I've been going through hell and quit my job to get here. Blarg Neptune. Yeah, that's some challenging stuff that's going on. Um, Lisa is saying, right on CV, Hades is coming in hot. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? For sure. All right, we've got two tiny things, and then we'll we'll wrap and tie a bow on it with with Ooh. a teaching reading. You're a trooper, CV. Thank you for for uh, going on this journey with me today. I think we've covered a lot of awesome ground. Um, we're gonna go to the 24th, and on the 24th, we are seeing a full moon. So here is the full moon in Capricorn. And I, I plan on doing some live streams for the lunations for the eclipse next week and for this lunation in particular, but we've got an opposition between the sun and the moon. Um, any thoughts on this on this uh, full moon here? Noticing anything well, that's sticking out to you? I mean, it's interesting because I think there's like on the heels of I don't know, on the heels of that Venus-Pluto opposition, and it feels like there's like this crisis point. And like, I'm going to the like, I don't know, maybe the like, it, it makes, I'm just gonna continue sort of the metaphor here, but it makes me think of Demeter like figuring out, like when she figures out what happened to her daughter and she like loses it. Um, <laughs> she goes, she honks the horn of life. and says, She honks the horn of life and then she like, steals away in what she tries to like, you know, um, live as what, like a nursemaid because she wants to make this baby and more of any blah, 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 blah. But I feel she's, she, no, but at first though, she's going crazy. She's like bothering everybody. And it's like this big crisis yeah. point when she just, this just anguish. I'm not saying it's going to be mass anguish, but it could be, there's been a lot of stuff happening and this could feel like in a very emotive, um, 
responsibility. Well, and, and eventually she withdraws, right? And she says, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to provide life on earth anymore. I'm going to disregard my, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's her duty to bring life. Exactly. Exactly. When she stops. Yeah. Because eventually in the story, fast forward to the Cap fast forward to the Capricorn part where, <laughs> where she, um, she like she hides in her like temple and refuses to like do anything and so eventually like this the the planet starts to starve and people stop giving sacrifices to the gods and then they intervene so yeah. i love this this life taking away moment um it's very so i feel it's very sobering that's my last commentary yeah yeah well and this full moon the moon is going to be in its fall so mm -hmm. or is it it's uh, ex exile Fall? Did you, exile, sorry. And it's mm -hmm. exile. I, I'm catching myself there. So not a comfortable place for the moon. The moon will be in a place of death, like like Demeter, um, where the sun is trying to bring life with that sun and cancer. So balancing out creation versus what we are letting go of, um, that, second, that two of cup, cups versus the two of pentacles energy that we're seeing with the first decan of cancer and the first decan of Capricorn, um, I think that we want to come to union, but we also are trying to figure out how we're going to juggle the responsibilities of where we want to create. Like that two of pentacles card is like saying, where do we really want to plant the seed? Where do we, where is the best place for us to, to, to create and whatnot? Um, Susanna is saying, I was born under a cap full moon. So this one will be effective for you, Susanna. Tell us what it's going to be like. You're living it. Uh, so like, I'm sure that there's a, an energy of trying to balance out competing needs, uh, maybe domestic and professional as well with wow. this full moon. Um, okay. And then the last thing that we have on our list here, first of all, Neptune's going to turn retrograde on the 25th, which you know happens fairly regularly for these outer planets. It's a longer transit. So I don't think it's going to be something that's, I don't know if we're going to feel that super personally, yeah. but maybe a reviewing of some of the, the idealism that we have. Uh, but the main thing that's going to be happening on the 27th is we have Venus moving into Leo, joining Mars and trying to maybe soften some of the conflicts that we're experiencing with the opposition between um, Mars and Saturn. So maybe an attraction to putting ourselves out there a little bit more, um, maybe uh, desiring to have some more attention. Uh, it, this could be helping us getting a little bit more clear on some identity issues that are coming up with the opposition between Mars and Saturn. Do you have any more thoughts on, on Venus and in Leo there, CV? I'm excited. <laughs> Party time, right? I'm just like watching Venus. I'm like when, when, like I, now I can't, I love the, the idea of Mars is the surgery, Venus sews it up. So I'm just yeah. like, now I can't like stop. I can't not think that, especially since it's happening in our first house. I love it. And it's going to be for our, us Leo crew here, it'll be moving into our first house. So yeah. uh, whatever conflicts we're feeling either internally or, or trying to figure out what identity steps to take, Venus is going to be trying to help at that point. Okay, I think we did it. I think we got through all of the aspects for June uh, and and a few extra ones. Um, so what I like to do, CV, on these kind of reports is I like to uh, do an I Ching reading to talk about the essence of whatever I'm exploring here. And the question that I asked 
was what is the essence of the astrology for June 2021? And what I got was the hexagram number 49, which is called revolution. And it is changing to hexagram 31, which is called mutual attraction. So some other words for 49, revolution, molting, shedding old skin, metamorphosis, transformation, out with the old. Sounds kind of like a transition in eclipse periods, doesn't it? Yeah. So one of the questions that Hillary Barrett asks is how can we break the mold? How can the form change to express the essence? Now the changing line that we have here is called uh, line number one at the bottom. And it says wrapped in the hide of a yellow cow. And they described in the translation I was looking at yellow being the color of moderation or the mean balance and the cow being associated with docility. So restraining through moderation and patience, avoiding impulsive action due to internal discomfort, um, making changes gradually by doing the inner work first. So I, th- I think that that was what I, what, I, what I was trying to bring into the beginning of this topic is we feeling this need to change, but, yeah. but we have to let the process play out. And we, I don't think that we can force the issue. Um, and this is changing to the hexagram mutual influence, which also is interpreted as reciprocity, mutual attraction, courtship, wooing. And Hillary Barrett asks, which influence is active? Uh, what does it draw you towards and what is its place in your life? So I want to ask you, CV, what, what, any um, final thoughts as far as maybe what the I Ching is speaking towards and how um, to navigate these transits for June with that insight? I mean, I think it covered a lot of our discussion, right? Like there, I feel like the whole sort of theme of this month is you know, trying to have this dialogue between disparate parts, whether that's the, you know, very, I mean, you know, the, the Cancer Capricorn, the full moon, or like they're always oppositions, but somehow Cancer Capricorn just feels like extra. Um, or, you know, the movement through Gemini, Mercury's retrogrades, um, the um, um, Mars, you know, Venus situation, all of it. It feels like this, this there's going to be a lot of action, a lot of sort of working through things. And, to proceed with caution, because if you go too hot in one direction, you're just going to get bounced back um, in like the kind of feeling where aggression just yields more aggression. So this is a very important month to, again, as we've mentioned throughout, take a step back, you know, dive into the like Jupiter's waters, use that as your key to just look around, take it in, try not to be so reactive maybe read the four agreements again. Yes, there you go. I love that. (laughs) Read the four agreements again or read it for the first time. If Mm -hmm. you've never read it, Don Miguel Ruiz, it's a great book. It's a a wonderful way of approaching the world. um, And it's helped me move through a lot of sticky situations. And, you know, really the the gist of it is try not to make assumptions, ask a lot of questions, um, be true to your word, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know. What were the other two? You did three, right? Impeccable with your word. With your don't word. make assumptions. So what was the, the third you had? There's four of them. I know there's four. <laughs> Look at us. Don't we gossip. Really... I feel like don't gossip's one. Yeah. That, I don't know if that fits in with impeccable with your word, but um, always do your always do your best. Yes. Your, be- your best one. might change from time yes. to time. 
Yes. So maybe you're not able to like do everything that you wish you could do, but do the best that you can. And um, I don't remember the last one. Yeah. We got the gist. Of it. We got the gist. Of it. Yeah. So ask questions, do your best. You're doing great. You know, don't make assumptions. And, and then the, the fourth will be revealed to you over time. <laughs> Still think, even if it's not, if it fits into one of those categories, we could say don't gossip. Cause I feel like gossip was like, a, yeah, was I think that's yeah. important. And, and that's, it's, it's easy to do because we want to, uh, sometimes we want to express some of the deep feelings that we have and get recognition for the pain that we're feeling. And sometimes there's appropriate times for that. And there's other times where it's really inappropriate and it can lead to external conflicts. So um, maybe you have a good friend that you can trust that is, you know, where you're able to keep that trust tree where you can talk about things that are bothering you. Um, I'm brought back to a show. I don't know if you've seen the show, Ted Lasso. Are you familiar with this show? No. It's about this football coach from Kansas that, that goes over to England to coach soccer. And he's put into this difficult situation where he's, um, he's being set up to fail. Okay. okay. But he has such a, uh, a nice, generous um, way of approaching things that he eventually wins people over. And, and I think that that's something that the, I think the four agreements really speaks to as well as kill him with kindness. You know, you can win over people through just being, uh, you know, being nice, you know, and um, I found that that gets people far in, in the world. I, I always say at the end of these, be kind to one another and be kind to yourself because that kindness does extend to yourself. If you're constantly beating yourself up, it's going to be hard for you to, to uh, extend that generosity to others, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's great advice for this month too. Just, just remember to be kind and take a breath when you want to you know, punch someone in the face, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, CV, this was amazing. Thank you for joining me today. Where uh, can we find you and the services that you provide? I am um, Art of the Zodiac, Art, other un, well, all underscores on Instagram, and artofthezodiac.co. Again, I do sell apothecary products. I enjoy making them in my kitchen. Um, .co.com. So, CV at Art of the Zodiac. Thank you. Nice. And who else? Anyone, do we have any goodbye comments from anyone? I can't see these. Um, Tarya says, love your piles of books, CV, with a heart emoji. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, I'm surrounded with books here, too. I think this yeah. is we've been kind of <laughs> book, booking out. Yeah. Um, Top Notch Vintage says, I was just listening to a shamanic astral pod. Venus and Leo represents the Amazon goddess of creativity. Okay, Ooh. that's cool. That's juicy. Um, Susanna says, I cast 49 yesterday when I was just overwhelmed with too much going on. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's, there's a lot going on and taking your time. Right. Um, and Lisa says, seriously, guys, watch the movie crash. All right. We'll add that to the list to we'll watch crash. We'll, we'll re-engage with the four agreements and, uh, uh hopefully the lion in the mouse. We're going to go read the, the lion, lion in the mouse. mouse. There you go. Good. And, and for those of you who, who enjoy what CV and I are bringing to the table here, I will be appearing on her channel on Instagram live tomorrow, Art of the Zodiac at 11 a.m. And we'll kind of rehash some of this and maybe get some new insights as well. Um, and uh, I'll, we'll trade, I'll, like I'm kind of facilitating here and CV will facilitate tomorrow and 
we'll both get to express our our Leo risings. <laughs> it's a little and, different vibe. And you know, we are send us an email. We are starting the Leo Rising Club. If you want to yeah. join, someone's a support group, really, for this month. Yeah. Well, well, this was really a pleasure, CV, and I hope we can do. I know we're going to do this again in some yeah. form or another. So thank you so much for coming on today, and thank you everyone in the chat for all of your comments and your participation. Um, if you are enjoying this channel, make sure that you're hitting that like button. That's the best thing you can do to help to, to keep this information going out to the most people possible. Hit that subscribe button if you're a new person. And if you wanna make a donation to the work that I do here, you can send a donation through buymeacoffee.com. That is helping me keep the lights on and do the research to do all of these things. And reach out to, to one of either CV or I for a reading, support, buy her apothecary goods. These are ways that you can support people in the work that they do. So thank you so much for being here today. And we will see you all the next time. Bye. All right. See you later.